Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Music means it's time for Birds 365. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, hanging with you right here. As where you are now, getting close to 70-some-odd hours away from the Eagles and the Washington game Sunday at Lincoln Financial with major playoff repercussions. We'll talk about where we sit three days before kickoff. John McMullen, you got some information on that yesterday when you spent quality time down at uh, Eaglesville. Splitting reps for the starting quarterback. If we had uh, discussed it that specifically yesterday here on Bird 65, that would not have been my guess that they would have split reps. It was going to be either no. all Jalen or all Gardner. The fact that they're splitting reps and hedging their bet, yeah, I didn't see that one coming. No, I didn't see that one coming because they were pretty confident uh, before the bye that it was going to be back to Jalen Hurts. You know, you think about a high ankle sprain, it's generally a two- to four-week injury. So maybe in hindsight it was kind of uh, high in the sky to expect him to play against the New York Jets, and then you start – saying, well, then you have the bye week and, and in between, and this would be the third week, so you're still in that shaky category. So now you start to ask yourself, you know, is it is it the COVID issues of the Washington football team? Are you trying to put, do you know, you, you got an inside straight on this game, Jody, bottom on it. You know, you can get through it. You can uh, – rest Jalen Hurts, get him completely healthy for those final three games, or um, is the injury a little bit more serious? Is it gamesmanship? A lot of ways, a lot of avenues you can go, what Nick Sirianni is doing. But the reason I don't land on gamesmanship is because you don't split first-team reps for gamesmanship. I mean, you you only do that when you have to do that. Uh, You try to hide it uh, at different positions from maybe the media when you're trying to to play those types of games when it comes to playing time. But when you actually get down to practice and, and the real McCoy, so to speak, you don't split reps with the first-team quarterback. So that's a clear indication that there's uncertainty surrounding Jalen Hurts. And if there's uncertainty surrounding Jalen Hurts, why even push it? That's where I am. I know you're just uh, postulating and theorizing here, but I got to tell you, one that you put out there as a possibility, if the Eagles think that they can actually come into this game with the attitude of, well, we can basically do it wherever we want because the Washington football team is so debilitated by their numbers on the COVID protocol list and we, we can go out and dictate terms in the game on Sunday. I don't care if they had 40 guys on the COVID list. The Eagles are six and seven, okay? The Eagles aren't 11 and two. They're, they're, they're not that good that they can go, well, we can, uh, look at the opposition here. We can basically do whatever's best for us and not really worry about putting our best foot forward. They're still below 500. 
If they win on Sunday, they get back to 500. They're not good enough to say, well, we can basically do whatever we want here and be more worried about the week after that or the week after that. They continue to say, and I believe, and I absolutely agree it's the right attitude, one week at a time. They, they need to win Sunday's game, and then you worry about the week after after this week's game, and then you worry about the week after that after next week's game. They're not in a position, they're not good enough to be thinking about anything other than putting their best foot forward and winning the game. So that tells me, yeah, Jalen Hurts is not 100%, and they're handling it accordingly. This has got nothing to do with putting themselves in the best position for the future. I believe this is just an evaluation of where we sit 75 hours before kickoff. No, and that yeah, that's what I agree. The 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 first team reps give you the indication of that and that it's no kinds of gamesmanship or anything of that nature. I, I do think there's a human nature aspect that I always talk about. Coaches, as you mentioned, try to compartmentalize as best as possible. Think about this week, think about the Washington football team. But it's human nature to look ahead a little bit. Players will admit that on occasion. Um, they are human beings. They're not robots. They'll, they'll look at the situation. And that's where I think, you know, some of the COVID issues play into it. You're right. I mean, if you're 6 and 17, you know, you're defined by inconsistency, which means you can lose pretty much any week except this one. You know, unless the NFL changes – uh, their policies, which, by the way, might happen today. I mean, somebody needs to stand up in that league and change something. And it might happen today, and all of a sudden, a bunch of those guys will be able to play on Sunday, and it changes just like that, it, that quickly. But until that happens, look, if there's 18 guys on the COVID list and some of the big names, yeah, I mean, it's an inside straight, as I said. It's a Kendall Hinton game in Denver. You, I, I forget who Denver played that week, but you remember how ugly it Saints, was. I want to say the Saints. Could have been. Uh, I'd have to look it up because everything runs together for me at this stage. Yeah, you and but, I both. Yeah. Um, you, I, I do remember how ugly the game was. That that stands out to me. And, you know, it would have been a great story if the kid played well, but he didn't because he's not a quarterback. No. And it it it... it shook out just the way everybody thought it would so will this if if nothing changes between now and sunday and the nfl and the union are talking they started talking yesterday and i'm hoping they make a change uh for vaccinated players we'll see if they have the the guts and the test testicular fortitude i'm going to go mick foley on them uh to do it Generally, they don't show that, so I don't expect it. And, you know, we got a chance to talk to Ron Rivera yesterday. Boy, what a great guy he is, by the way. Ron Rivera, you know, <laughs> you know, Urban Meyer got fired overnight for people who don't know. Uh, maybe they're just waking up to turn on Birds 365. Those might be the opposite ends of the spectrum <laughs> on the NFL coaching scale, but you know, Ron was very honest. And I asked him the question because I told you on the show, I think yesterday when Jeff Kerr was filling in for me, you know, two two players co contacted me and uh, 
you know, they were upset because they're on the COVID list and they're vaccinated and they're asymptomatic and they're not, they're upset about not being able to play. And so I asked Ron Rivera, have any of the guys, you know, expressed that frustration? He said, ton of them. I mean, yeah, I mean, they are, they are upset and they are pushing their union. We'll see what happens. Right. Uh, For those who uh, aren't, completely following along with what uh, John is saying and what uh, we're talking about here today. Uh, there was a pretty good push yesterday. There were good rumors running around that Roger Goodell was getting pressure from teams and from organizations that players were unhappy with the fact that, yes, they tested positive, but they were completely asymptomatic and they were vaccinated. And they're saying, well, just because we have a t- we're fine. I know we have a positive test. But we can play because we feel fine. We have no symptoms whatsoever. That's why we took the vaccination was to, A, hopefully ward it off, which apparently it didn't work in some individual cases because when you test positive, you test positive. It means you have it. Doesn't mean you can't continue to play with it. So it would be a value judgment from the NFL if they were to change their rules on the fly. I know that it has been such an explosion. They felt they didn't need to change when they had as few uh, positive tests as they did. But the last week and change, there's been an advanced amount of positive tests. So the NFL is at a, a kind of a critical juncture to be able to handle something like this. If they do this, it'll certainly aid the teams that have uh, a large COVID protocol list this week. But it also will come under scrutiny do you believe politics plays into this at all, John? Oh, my God, yes. And more than not. I mean, that's what this is all based upon. Uh, bottom line, it's not, it's not based on anything other than signaling to the right people that we're doing the right thing. That's, that's what it's based on. It's a, it's a public relations policy. Uh, that's what the players feel uh, to a large part. But Again, and they can criticize, and players tend to immediately, and everybody, by the way, why he's great at his job, tends to criticize Roger Goodell. Um, but they got to look at their union first, because their union agreed to all this stuff for the same reasons the NFL implemented them, because they want to look good in the public eye, and they don't want to be shouted down, and they don't want to be pointed out, and they don't want to be deemed as trying to kill grandma or however some of these hyperbolic kind of insults are, are thrown at people, the shaming, you know, we're all sitting, <laughs> I'll give you a little insight. You know, we're all sitting there rapid testing the, the Eagles writers yesterday and we're all joking. You know, I got one of the first uh, negative tests. <laughs> so I get the text and I go, woo. And then there's other guys waiting and waiting and waiting and we called it Leper Island when they're in the middle of the parking lot. I mean, it, it, but we're joking. Uh, we're joking amongst ourselves, and we can have we can have that kind of fun. But I always go back to Matthew Stafford when he was in Detroit, and he got a false positive, and people were shouting down his wife in a grocery store. How could you be out with your kids and your and 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 it was a false positive. I, I you know and. By the way, that's one of the reasons I'm not saying the only reasons, but one of the reasons that started his desire to get the hell out of Detroit. Um, 
it's crazy out there, Jody. It is crazy. But as far as young, healthy people testing positive after being vaccinated, asymptomatic, that was supposed to be what the vaccination was for. That was supposed to be what the vaccination was for, but now we keep shifting the goalpost. Look, it, it doesn't matter to me if the Eagles beat the Washington football team because of COVID. It doesn't matter to the league. Um, obviously, they don't care about competitive advantage, competitive disadvantage. Um, Cleveland, L.A. Rams, you're going to see more names added today. Ultimately, if he becomes a high-profile player in a high-profile situation, you can imagine the NFC Championship game, Tom Brady testing positive that week. That might spawn change. Well, and I think that is part of what Roger Goodell is considering here because they've kind of dodged a bullet to this point. And we can have fans agree or disagree about the fact that uh, the NFL is a 53-man game. It's a 52-man game plus one, and that plus one is pretty damn important. And he's the starting quarterback of whatever team you're referring to. We haven't had a high-profile quarterback fall into that uh, category yet. There hasn't been an MVP-type candidate who's fallen into that that, uh, situation just yet. Well, when there is, yeah, there will be that much more coverage of it, that much more haranguing about it. Uh, They want to be out ahead of this if they're going to make a change. Now, just the fact that it leaked out that they were considering a change, I think, tells you something, but they haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. And I don't know if they're going to. Now, I've got a very politically based buddy who I text with almost on a daily basis. And uh, by by his stance, you'll probably be able to figure out which side of the coin he's on. Um, He was singing the praises of the NFL. He's completely given up on the NFL. Used to be a giant NFL fan, but he thinks that their uh, way of doing their business has a specific political lean to it and it annoys him so much that he swore off the nfl but yesterday he texted me and said i've got to give the nfl at least this much credit if they do this then they will be flouted and i text him back and he he actually sent me emojis with about 50 laughing faces on it <laughs> i said i just hope the nfl makes its decision based on its medical advice from the doctors that they're putting their faith in. And and he couldn't laugh at me enough, saying, if you don't think this is a politically-based decision, you are kidding yourself. You are absolutely out on a limb by yourself. No way, no shot, no how. When I typed it, I meant it. I really do hope that's the case. I may be as naive as the day is long, but that's what I'm hoping is the case. Yeah, I have a feeling I, I can gauge his political bent, and this is going to be difficult for people to understand. I think people should know by now that I'm vaccinated. I'm getting a booster next week. Um, I've been tested about a thousand times for COVID. Um, I do what I have to do because I have to do it to, to, to do my job. Um, So I don't have any problems. I'm not anti-vax. But yeah, you're being naive, Jody. It is completely, 
completely political. This is an endemic. And just, it is, is not just, a pandemic. God, well, well, I acknowledge you're probably right. My friend's probably right. I know I'm in a minority. I just think it's sad. Oh, it's incredibly we sad. We can't talk about sports. We can't hear it come oh, here on 365 awful. and avoid a political-based discussion. It should purely be about what's best for the players, what's best for their league, what's best for individuals, and it shouldn't have anything it's to awful. do with what your political position is. It's awful. Ron Rivera was up, as I said, did his conference call with us. I think there were two questions about his football team. Maybe two questions. It's awful. It is absolutely awful that that we have to talk about this stuff still. And, and we're talking about it, again, about healthy people. I, I mean, it is... Someday, someone will write the book on this, and it will be one of the, the most bizarre times in the history of the world that we are afraid of an endemic respiratory illness for healthy people. It is bizarre. All right. We'll put that aside for just one second because we've got our first guest coming up, and I do want to ask you one other question before we get to our buddy Pete Thompson. Um, Did Ron Rivera get questions yesterday about the Washington Redskins organization and the ongoing investigation... Not one. Now, now part of that is because, look, Ron Rivera has no expertise on that. Most of it has to do with the fact that um, 18 players on the COVID list is is overwhelming everything in his world right now. So far more of that is um, the COVID stuff than uh, people trying to, to stay away from Ron Rivera asking about Daniel Snyder because a couple things. One, he has nothing to do with it. Two, um, and I know Will Hobson. He's one of the guys. He's the him. He and Liz Clark are the ones who who wrote the story uh, from the Washington Post, and um, that's like pre-Ron Rivera stuff. So he he certainly you know you're you'd be asking somebody who doesn't have any expertise. Although I would say it probably would have come up if not for the overwhelming elephant in the room. Um, well, like I that, said, they didn't. We didn't even get a chance to ask him about his football team. Never mind Daniel Snyder, who's supposed to be not be involved. In right, the but the commissioner is being forced right now to answer questions because of this Washington Post report about the Washington football team. So uh, good for Ron Rivera if he's able to insulate himself and not have to deal with that because he's got so much else on his plate that he has to deal with. Good for him. I'm glad that's the case, but it would have been, had it come up yesterday, a legitimate question. The coach of a football oh, yeah. team whose team is under continued scrutiny because of what's being reported about what had happened in their past, but it is their current team, even if they got a different name since, uh, it, it would have been a very legitimate question, and Rivera could have just said, hey, he's Well, that's the thing. I'll give you an example of, of that and the fact that somebody who was teetering and waiting and wasn't going to get past uh, uh, to ask Nick Sirianni a question because of the timing of the press conference and the timing of the testing asked me to ask Nick Sirianni, what's the plan if you test positive? Which I've asked Nick in the past. 
uh, number one. But you also know in the back of your mind, you can ask the question all you want. He's going to say what he said. He got asked the question by somebody else. He said, yeah, we have a plan. Uh, I'm not going to give you that plan. We have a plan. And that's your answer. And you can ask the same thing about, right? It's a fair question. But you also know, you, you, you know what the answer is going to be before you ask the question. And then so you sort of weigh, is it even worth it? Now, if you want to get the guy on record, that's right. different. Maybe it's different for the Washington football team reporters. As Eagles reporters, we're not as as interested in getting Ron Rivera on the record about something that he has no involvement with. You might want to do that in Washington. And uh, as a matter of fact, we'll have a Washington guy on. Maybe we'll bring that up when we have him on a little bit later. All right, uh, coming up next, we're going to talk to Pete Thompson, uh, Bud of Johns. I knew Pete for a long time. Um, is a uh, part-time host down on 97.3 down the shore. Uh, he's going to hop aboard with us. We'll do very, very uh, much Eagle stuff with him. And then a little bit later in the show, we're going to have Grant Paulson on. He is the host of the Danny and Grant show, uh, Afternoon Drive on uh, 106.7, The Fan down in D.C. Uh, talk to Redskins day in and day out. So we'll give you both a Philly perspective and a Washington perspective with this upcoming matchup this weekend, two, six, and seven teams doing battle. One will move up in their playoff possibilities. The other will take a big step back, which is which? Well, we'll try and hack that out for you over the next two-plus hours here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. 
our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. A Thursday edition of Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We've got the Mac and Mac guys. Here with us is Pete Thompson, part-time host down on 97.3 uh, down at the shore, and has only been following the Philadelphia Eagles for how long, Pete? How long have you been uh, following these birds? I was born in 71. We've had season tickets since 73, so uh, quite a long time. I look like an Oompa Loompa, by the way. Uh, I don't yeah. know if that's me or... I'm really well, see, you got, you got, you know, Pete's an ex TV guy, former sports director. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, he knows. He, he, he looks like you got good color down at your. Yeah. You yeah. lied to yeah, me, McMullen. You said you friend. guys weren't going to look good, and you guys look amazing. No, Plus, we, you have we, a no, we, 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 we look terrible. Come on, yeah. I'm, I'm not, not our backdrops. Our backdrops. Where, where's my great. ocean casino? Come on, we could have got that to you. We could have got the last time I was in ocean. Uh, I went and saw George Thorogood, and I there forgot go. how good Ovation Hall or whatever they call it now is. Uh, I got to tell you guys, you know, I, I don't know how often you get in the properties or not, but Ocean is just as nice as it can be right now. Yeah. They're doing everything right. And no, you did not pay me to say this. I'm just saying it because that hall, believe it or not, is better than that other major property that starts with a B. It's a really nice concert venue. And, uh, I had a great time. I mean, the only thing that was a little sad for me was that I didn't think, there, you know, it was half empty. And I'm thinking, like, my God, like, this is where, like, Michelle Obama and her daughters saw Beyonce open this property. And and there's nobody here. But Thurgood sounded great. And I took yeah. a little money from Ocean that night, too. So I was oh, there we Very go. Nice. Good Good Bad to the bone. I saw a UFC, some kind of fight down there. Uh, yeah, when Schaller was still doing UFC. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Might have been yeah. Bellator or something. I don't think it was Schaller, but. So it might have been our buddy from the Sixers, by the way, Dave Schaller. So shout out to him, uh, even though things are not going great for the Sixers right now. Hopefully they can turn things around. But it's an Eagles show, Pete. You know that. You're getting Sorry me off on that. a tangent already. Well, nice I just, got, you know, I mean, by I, the way, I, I got to pay the, off the sponsor if it's the yeah, backdrop. Yeah, we appreciate I don't, that I don't know much about the union, and I know a little bit about Jacob Media, so I got to yeah. pay off the one I, I know. It, um i think it's apropos on the day that urban meyer is fired in jacksonville because nobody likes urban meyer and i'm still looking for the first person that doesn't like pete thompson i was hoping it was going to be jody mcdonald but no he likes you too why how do you do it pete Nobody, nobody likes me. Everybody likes Pete Thompson. <laughs> it's, it's right out of the Beatles, man. That documentary was right over Thanksgiving. You put the love out, you get the love back. You know, you put the other stuff out, and yeah, good luck, buddy. All right, well, you just explained my problems. All right, so uh, the Philadelphia Eagles have been putting out some love, uh, some good, some bad. 
I think overall, rookie head coach, very young quarterback. I think they're ahead of people where they thought they would be. Legitimate shot for the playoffs. I don't think a lot of people, other than Jody McDonald and myself, thought that was a possibility, but I digress. Uh, what are your thoughts as we are at the – there's no more three-quarters poll because we have 17 games, but we're close to that perspective. we got a month to go. Pleasantly surprised? Where are you with this team, Pete Thompson? Uh, I would go with pleasantly surprised, and I see growth. You know, I mean, to me, it's something where uh, they lit the world on fire when they came out in week one, and everybody's like uh, going Super Bowl or bust. And, and then, you know, the low point to me was in Vegas. When they were in Vegas, they were as dysfunctional and disorganized and as messy as a team could be. And then you had that question, too, why can't this team win at home? You know, and you understood why they couldn't beat the Chiefs and the Bucks at home. But why couldn't you beat the Chargers at home? And, you know, I, I was actually in the stands as a fan for that game. And when the Eagles scored to take the lead, you looked at the clock and said, there's no way they're winning this game. You just It was inevitable. You knew what was going to happen. So to me, the fact that they're even in the playoff conversation, that they've had some growth, you know, you're only as good as your talent level is. And, you know, I, I got a guy down here that I argue with on the radio on a daily basis about whether or not Jalen Hurts is the guy. And, uh, you know, he, this person uh, whose initials are not MG, by the way, John, <laughs> uh, this person uh, uh, continues to say, like, Jalen Hurts is the guy. And then the Giants game happened, and I was loaded for bear when I came into the studio that next time because I'm thinking, like, hey, did you witness Exhibit A? So, uh, look, it, it's uh, the NFL season is so up and down. It's so week to week. You can't get too high and too emotional on one end, and you can't get too low on the other end. And uh, the fact that they're in it, that to me is a pleasant surprise. Speaking of pleasant surprises, Pete, I got to say that about Nick Sirianni in this aspect. <clears throat> this is a tough year to be coaching in the NFL for any coach. We, were, John and I were just talking before you came on about what the uh, coach of the Washington football team has to deal with that uh, they have 18 positive COVID test players. Plus he's got a, another scandal uh, sitting over his head too with the overall organization, but every coach is having a deal with doing the COVID dance on top of everything else they have to do. Coaching an NFL team is not easy to begin with. Now you add all that to the mix and you add the fact that this is his first time ever first year as head coach. I think Nick Sirianni's done a pretty damn good job keeping everything together. Here, here. And, and you know, look, uh, I always was told by the best bosses that I worked for that you uh, praise in public and criticize in private. And I think coaches that do that tend to have a more longer shelf life than the ones that uh, say the one that kicked his kicker. Uh, so <laughs> this is the way I look at it. I think that, you know, we all knew that the defense was abysmal and the word leaks out that, you know, he – called uh, the defensive coordinator of the carpet and, uh, you know, Gannon and basically ripped him a new one. But to me, I, look, he didn't say it himself. He didn't throw anybody under the bus himself. And as much as we wanted to make fun of rock, paper, scissors, as much as we wanted to make fun of his games and, and how brutal he was uh, in his opening, you don't, you don't win or lose the Super Bowl in your opening press conference, but you do leave a memory of, uh, of where you can go to. And, and I think Nick Sirianni's learning curve has been good. I think that uh, obviously as he's gotten the talent, he's getting the most that he can out of, you know, I still think they're limited in many areas. I mean, you can go on both sides of the ball of where they have limitations. So that to your point, Jody, is 
a coach that's getting the most out of the least that he has. So what you're saying, Pete, is I'm the head ball coach and I'll fire your ass is probably not the best motivational <laughs> tool uh, I mean, at times. I thought, I thought when I saw that story this morning about the, or overnight, because this happened overnight, that he kicked the kicker I, and I knew I was going to be on with you. I was like, McMullen's going to be dying because he knows <laughs> that Pete Thompson loves the kicker. He always asks the kicker questions. They always ask the kicker questions. Kick the kicker. Uh, don't miss any kicks. Uh, or I'll fire your ass. I think that was his quote, quote to Josh Lambeau. Look, there are, you know, disgruntled employees um, if you're the boss. And you, you have to take those things with a grain of salt, just as you have to take things that are positive with a grain of salt. With Nick Sirianni, though, it does seem uh, like he's a likable person. I, I get to be around him quite a bit. It's real. Um he does have this almost folksy type of thing going on. He's always talking little Ronnie about, Howard, little yeah. like Ali G shucks guy. Yeah. You know? He's always talking about his family and his high school, you know, brother coaches and things like that, which I think he should tone down. He got a lot of, you know what, for the flower analogy about yeah. growth. Yeah. But you're right, Pete. It comes down to players. And you mentioned there's some obvious deficiencies what what are the biggest deficiencies that concern you with this team as they move forward and need well, that talent? I, I don't think they're getting the pass rush that they need to be getting, you know, and, and I'm looking at you, Fletcher Cox, even though he gets double teamed. I'm looking at you, Derek Barnett, you know, uh, Hargrave uh, started off like a bottle rocket, but then has fizzled out a little bit. You know, I mean, uh, to me, the defensive line needs to get the pressure. I mean, at least Gannon has shown a willingness finally to do, dial up some blitzes at certain times. So that's obviously a deficiency. Uh, the one that I've been talking about since what Jerry Robinson, right? I mean, the damn yeah. linebackers, every time I see Micah Parsons make a play, I think, God, he would have looked good in Eagle green. Now that's just not the way the organization thinks. So that's a deficiency to me. And then the truth of it is, is when you had a situation where Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard were your only two weapons. And that was it. When Miles Sanders was out, I think that was the Giants game where they really didn't have much to, to go to. Uh, that, that's not enough, you know. Uh, Jalen Rager's bust. I mean, I'm sorry. If there's anybody out there that wants to still defend Jalen Rager, then you must be in Howie's inner circle or, uh, yeah, you don't want to get kicked out of the Hanukkah party. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> or your Monte Rager. Pete, the <laughs> that, that, that could be it too, right, his yeah. parents. <laughs> Pete, let me follow up on your uh, Jonathan Gannon point. We're all trying to handicap Jonathan Gannon. We were just talking about the fact that this is Sirianni's first year and the job he's doing under extraordinary circumstances. Well, it's Jonathan Gannon's first year as a DC as well. And we all sit here on Mondays afterwards and go through the mm -hmm. whole week and go what he did right, what he did wrong. We all like the aggressive Jonathan Gannon rather than the passive Jonathan Gannon. It's just a Philly thing. They like yeah. aggressive in this town and we're guilty as charged too. He has at times gotten more aggressive, which has gotten the fan base excited, but he does it in measured steps. It seems to me like he will get more aggressive when he thinks he's up against the lesser opponent, that the lesser skilled offense he's going against is the more he's willing to risk and get out of his comfort zone and take some more chances. How do you think he looks at the Washington football team coming into Sunday? 
Well, that's a great question, too. So you bring out the lesser opponents, right? Well, that's why you made a guy like Justin Herbert look like the next, uh, you know, uh, Johnny Unitas, right? That's why uh, Tom Brady's the GOAT. We all think that, right? He picked him apart. Patrick Mahomes picked him apart. You know, we know that storyline this season of average quarterbacks that completed 80% or more of their passes or had these unbelievable pass ratings against what was a soft Jonathan Gannon defense. The way I think he looks at the Washington football team right now is the way that I look at the buffet at the Ocean Casino Resort. Hungry. <laughs> I just can't wait to eat it. Yeah. Right? I can't wait to get in there and fill my plate three times. I think that he knows that they're, you know, you got an opponent on the ropes, okay? And not even, you don't even have them by anything that you're scheming as much as by the fact that they're decimated. You know, the Temple kid, I was looking at that list of those 18 guys. And, you know, it started uh, the patient zero, if you will, was Montez Sweat. Now, he might play because with the protocols, he could come back and play. But when you add a Matt Ioannidis <laughs> on the list, Tim Settle, Jonathan Allen, Casey Tool, you know, these are all defensive guys, Jody Mack. So, right, the, that to me says the Eagles can go exploit that. And then on the flip side, right, I don't see a lot of the offensive players out. And yet at the same time, a team gets rattled when you don't have your horses or your soldiers yeah. to go to war with. I, I think that's the biggest storyline right there. I don't know enough. Look, I didn't get paid to coach the X's and O's. In high school, I was at every football game, but I was in the band. You know, I, I can't get up <laughs> to tell a straighter and tell you this is why this set works or this set works or this is where they can exploit things. What I know for sure is that you have a wounded opponent coming in on Sunday to what's going to be a, a, a full-throat Lincoln Financial Field do what you're supposed to do. Do your job, and uh, and you'll come out on top. Yeah, and that's the biggest one. I think the biggest one, Pete, is Jonathan Allen because he's having a great, great year. Uh, but there's, I think there's eight defensive linemen on the COVID list for the Washington football team. Now, you mentioned the offense. Not that big of a deal from a COVID perspective, but the quarterback is hurt. He's got a bad mm -hmm. knee. He's got a bad elbow. Terry McLaurin's in the concussion protocol. He's their best player. They're mm -hmm. not going to know if they have him until Saturday, probably. Um, yeah, Logan Thomas is long The only gone. guy you're looking at is yeah. Antonio Gibson. It's yeah. like, all right, who are their weapons? All right, don't, you know, look out for that. I mean, that it's like anything else, you know, and we, and we used to preach that all the time as fans, you know, make them one dimensional and then you can pin your ears back, you know, make them, make them, you know, and, and that's really what football is, right, guys? It's a chess match. You're going to do this, so I'm going to move my piece here. You're going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And then at the end, whose uh, players match up better to be able to uh, win the game. Yeah. And the biggest scoreboard is obviously the one that's going to be illuminated Sunday about four o'clock, but the, the real scoreboard that tells you the early scoreboard, 18 to two COVID list, 18 mm -hmm. Washington, two Eagles. That's tough to overcome. If you're Ron Rivera. I would think so. And I, I have a mad respect for Ron Rivera. I think he's a hell of a football coach. Oh, he's great guy. As we see great this guy. dysfunctionality here, like, you know, I woke up this morning. I don't know what time you guys get up. I got up at five and my girl overnight, she's night owl. So she, she knows, you know, what moves the needle. She sends me the thing about Urban Meyer being bounced out. And I said, uh, well, it looks like Doug Peterson just found his next landing spot, you know. And she said, do, do you think so? And I'm thinking like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be on with the first 365 guys later. Can I save that for 
a real thing. <laughs> you you yeah. can say it in speculation, and the speculation started before you or us or anybody else. And more power to those who were putting two and two together when urban seats started to get exceedingly hot. Hey, how about Doug Peterson? Makes a lot of sense to me, but uh, won't be till the end of the year. Uh, you mentioned, John, the 18 and two scoreboard on the uh, mm-hmm. COVID front. But the one of the two on the Eagles side is kind of important in Quez Watkins. Um, we've been noting the last couple of weeks, Jalen Rager continues to get all his snaps, despite the fact that Pete Thompson and Jody McDonald are going, Can't why, stand the the guy. why the hell is he still on the field? Well, because yep. they don't have any faith in any of the guys behind him. Well, they better get some faith fast if Quez Watkins can't play unless they're ready, willing, and able to go two tight ends for basically the entire game. Somebody's got to be out there in a three-wide receiver set. Who do you think it's going to be, Pete? I mean, I guess Greg Ward, right, is next on the, on the chart, right? I mean, and, uh, you know, uh, look, in one of their wins, and maybe it was the Saints game when things started to get a little nervous, didn't we see uh, the often forgotten, overlooked J.J. Ortega-Whiteside with one big catch? You know, I mean, you just don't have a lot of guys that are available to step up and fill that role if Quez is not available to go. But, you know, and I even like the fact that the kid went to Nebraska, but there's no way I'm going to endorse Jack Stoll as being some sort of hero savior. That ain't happening. So, you know, quite frankly, you'll have to, uh, if you don't have Quez Watkins, then you're, well, the first question is, who's going to play quarterback? Do we all agree that it's going to be Jalen Hurts, 100%? No, not anymore. I thought that yesterday. Yeah, But then you start going, but wait a minute. Yeah, and I think it becomes more important if Gardner Minshew is out there, to be honest. And maybe it becomes more important in any case, Pete, if Jalen Hurts is not 100% he's out there playing. Because he, if he's limited from a running perspective, then all of a point. sudden you have to get more receivers involved. And that creates a bigger issue for the Eagles, especially without Quez Watkins if and there's a chance Quez is vaccinated. There's a chance he could be back uh, by by game time. So we'll have to see that. I do want to talk about the quarterbacks, though. We probably, you know, wasted too much time before we got to it. But I'm 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 impressed. I've been impressed um, that Eagles fans did not jump down the quarterback controversy hole despite after the trying Jets to game. be goaded into it. <laughs> yeah. By and large, no, I'm, I'm I'm legitimately impressed. I thought I was going to see more of it. I didn't. Uh, I think people were tempered. That's not usually an adjective I use for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think people uh, press Number one, pause? it was the Jets, right? You know, that, <laughs> that has a lot it's, to do with it. It is right? unbelievable. Everybody starts what, with it's the Jets. Everybody can look like because the prom they're right. Queen and I'm, I'm one of the few can... Say yeah. it and feel pain by saying it. The Jets' defense stinks on ice. Yeah. Abysmal. And, and and that's the thing, John, is that, you know, there were points at that game where Gardner Minshew would, like, uh, wind up and heave, and you saw, like, Keystone Cops, the two Jets defenders, <laughs> tripping over each other and their legs getting tangled, and you thought, 
oh, thank God we're playing the Jets. You know, I mean, uh, look, uh, Minshew came out, he had epic numbers in the first half, and then as they changed the perfect. game. Perfect. 158.3, Pete. Yeah, perfect numbers. Yeah. So a week half. earlier, you had a quarterback with a 17.3 rating, and then he had a quarterback in the first half with a perfect rating. Yes, you would think, John, given the history of the town, that Philadelphia Eagles fans would have been like holding parades down Broad Street with banners so saying, uh, Minshew mania, we want Minshew now. But I, I think what happens is, you know, especially the Philly fan base, it's like, I've read that book before. I know how that works out, right? And yeah, it did it win him a Super Bowl. <laughs> sure, Nick Foles had one epic, unbelievable game. But in the long run, so that's where I think the pause comes. Plus, I think the savvy fan and, you know, maybe radio host like myself realizes that Minshew is kind of the thing that you like a small dose of but not something that you can rely on for uh, a meal for an entire, you know, you have one Thanksgiving meal. You don't need turkey for the whole month of November. That's true. And a lot of things will go into making the decision as to who's going to get what snaps when, and we're not there yet. And 72 hours, the health of Jalen Hurts' ankle can change things. My guess is by the time we get to Sunday, Pete, it's going to be ground and pound that the Eagles will, whoever their quarterback is, look to run it down the throats of the Washington football team, the maybe undermanned Washington football team because of their defensive COVID numbers. And they'll be perfectly fine with that. Right. Sirianni isn't out to impress anybody this week. He's out to win a football game. And if the best way for that to happen (laughs) is 40 carries by his running backs, he's going to hand it off to his running backs 40 times. Right. The Eagles' strength is their offensive line, the Washington football team. We've talked about how many players they're missing. You know, and the one thing, Jody, to your point about running the football, um, we have a guy that we talk to down here at the shore, and we call him up sometimes. His name's Nick Ferguson. He does radio out in Denver, but he played for the Broncos. So I always like to pick the brains of people that actually played the game. I didn't play the damn game. So I said, Nick, why do you think the teams are embracing the run more. And he says, well, it's a vertical league, number one. And number two, there's no tackling at all anymore in, like, training camp. Nobody knows how to hit. Nobody knows how to hit or bring a player to the ground. They don't know anything about two-a-days. They don't know anything about any of that. So, you know, if you have an offensive line that can create a hole, once you get past the line, you're gone. Who's going to bring you down? And I thought, oh, that's a really good point. And you notice the teams that are the most successful right now are the ones that are able to run the football. And the Eagles have been able to run the football. One of the most impressive things, Pete, the last one for me, I know. Do you have to teach the impressionable youth today? <laughs> Isn't it Christmas break yet? When Not yet. Uh, we got uh, this full week, and then we have uh, another little short week. Next really? week is the one wow. where, like, you it. walk by every classroom and they're showing Elf or, uh, you know, uh, Santa Claus <laughs> without a Santa Claus or any of those things. All but, right. uh, this, this week we're still actually teaching. <laughs> I thought they got a bigger break. I, I'm getting old, you know. You forget these things. But uh, long term, you know, we know Jeffrey Lurie. We know what he likes. He's mm-hmm. been the owner of this team for over a quarter century now. He believes in analytics. He believes in passing the football. So we've had this, you know, short-term, what's the best path to win on Sunday against the Washington football team? Long-term, you want Justin Herbert. What do the Eagles do after the season? Are they yeah. saying, ah, we'll stick with Jalen Hurts, or are they – and we're going to look, we're going to call about Russell Wilson. We're going to call about Deshaun Watson. We're going to try to change their minds. What do you think they do from that perspective? 
Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned the two established guys because there really isn't a lot that looks exciting and shiny and new from the college ranks. Although there was the story that they went to Pitt to watch the picket yeah. kid play. Oh, yeah. And, you know, maybe that's their shiny toy. But is that their shiny toy just because they were a quarterback factory and they want to add all the people in the room that they can get? Oh, look at what we know. I mean, at the end of the day, you need a franchise quarterback to win. The teams that have struggled perennially, and I mentioned the Broncos a minute ago, you know, they haven't had a franchise quarterback really since Manning came in and was able to be a franchise guy for a season or two. But these teams that just – and when you throw a rookie in too, uh, look at – it doesn't matter who the coach is. You know, it, it really doesn't matter. That To me, uh, I miss the days where the quarterback used to develop for two or three years before that guy ever got a chance to start. You know, now you're paying them so much money and you get so much hype about a guy. So – I could possibly see the Russell Wilson possibly, but in reality, if I was the general manager of the team, I'd love to use one of the picks on offense and two of the other two on defense, because I think that that's a long ignored uh, place on the football team. But, but I'm, I'm not the guy. I just, the guy that talks about the guy. <laughs> uh, John is too much of a journalist. So he's always got an eye on the big picture. I'm going to put any journalistic leanings I have, and there are not many, uh, to the side. One game this yeah. week, Washington football team. I don't care about the week after or the week after that or the offseason or 2023. I want to know about one game this week against the Washington football team. Will the Eagles get back to 500, or will their playoff uh, hopes get a major step back after a loss to Washington? Well, and I love that uh, I'm a product of my environment. I told you guys, uh, my dad's been a season ticket holder since 73. I got frostbite on my feet when they went to the when they won the NFC Championship against Dallas and went to that Super Bowl where Dick Vermeil had them wound up too tight and the ra- the partying Raiders won, right? I can remember uh, going and picking up the two tickets my dad won in the lottery when they went to the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, and then we know how that ended up. And then I was in Minneapolis to be able to finally be with my father when they won the Super Bowl uh, a couple of years ago. I look at it like this, Jody Mack. They, there's no way they lose this game, and that's coming from the guy that always has that caution of like, oh, God, it would really – I mean, it would be if they lost, the Delaware Valley would implode because the Giants' <laughs> loss would be a, a distant memory. To me, they, I don't only think they win the game. I think they win it pretty big. I, I'd be like 31-13. Good stuff. Pete, always a pleasure, bud. Uh, keep America rolling with those youngsters of yours that you're heading off to. Uh, next time we'll get Xander to make you a little less pink when we punch. Yeah, I don't know if it's me or you know. No, we're I'm putting just... it on Xander. Xander's a young kid. He's one of those impressionable youths of America. We'll make him do it, uh, work for a living. Like Billy Crystal said, you guys look marvelous. <laughs> or, or an oompa loompa, one or the other. Uh, Pete, great stuff. Thanks for coming on with us, buddy. We'll catch Thanks, up Jody. Thanks, too. John. Good to visit Thanks, with Pete. you guys. Pete Thompson from ninety-seven-three down the shore. That's the reddest guest we've ever had. Every once in a while, I show up a little bit red. Depends on the lighting and uh, I get what. No, I'm too. I'm too. I'm too white. I got to get more red. That's See, you uh, think you know. you're too white. I think I'm too red. Here's the one thing we can agree on: you and I both look better than Pete today. We no, might not look good. Never, never. As I said, Pete Thompson, nicest guy in the world. Everybody likes the guy. I think it's apropos to get him on during Urban Meyer Day because nobody likes Urban Meyer. Everybody likes Pete Thompson. I'm still looking for the person. I'm sure there's one person out there. 
that doesn't like Pete, but I'm still looking for him. Yeah, I haven't found him. Um, but I like what Pete said right there at the end, which is what I want to discuss with you when we come back. He just said that Delaware Valley will implode if they lose. Oh, they're going to implode. Inside straight. Pete's right about that, too. No way they lose this game. Unless John, how many players? Can... How many players are Washington going to be down because of COVID on Sunday? Give me uh, the exact. Give me the exact number. I don't know yet. That's I exactly right. So that's why I'm saying, how can you th- declare victory when we don't know how many players Washington? As of today, they've got 18 on the COVID list. What is that number going to be on Sunday? Nobody knows. Well, yet. and that's what I was about to say. Unless the NFL changes their policies, which they're considering, and then I will change, I will reconsider my thought. But as we stand here today, on Thursday, what time is it? It is Thursday. (laughs) I don't even know what day it is. At Thursday, it's almost 9 a.m. The Eagles have an inside straight. It's getting later. It's getting... It, it, it's getting late very early for the Washington football team when it comes to Sunday's game. Right. But, John, Quez Watkins could play Sunday, right? Yes, he could. Oh, okay. How about all the Redskins? How about all the Washington players? Same thing. Forget they about could. changing the policy of the NFL. The policy can stay exactly the same. If Jonathan Allen gets two negative tests in the next two days, guess what? He's suiting up on Sunday. So the fact that you're on the COVID list today doesn't mean that you're out on Sunday. You're you're right, but if you followed this stuff all year, it's still more likely than not that you're not going to be able to play this week. So when you talk about that number, yeah, when you talk about one player, you cross your fingers and that's their best player, so hopefully they have them from their perspective. Um, And that could shift things a little bit. But when you have that many players and that that type of circumstance, and we'll talk more about it with Grant Paulson, who's going to be on the show in the second hour, uh, and he covers the Washington football team. But um, what what if you've looked at other guys who've been on the list? It, it's the odds are not good. So I just got to go by that. I got to play the odds, and the odds say the Eagles have drawn an inside straight for this particular game unless the NFL changes last minute. And by the way, they should. They should. They should. They should understand this is a problem, and it's not just Washington. It's also Cleveland. It's also the Los Angeles Rams. I think there's seven teams in the intensive protocols, so to speak, as we say it right now. It is a competitive disadvantage. If people are, um, again, I want to make this clear because I have to make things very clear. I'm talking about vaccinated players who are asymptomatic, not unvaccinated guys. If you're in that category, vaccinated, completely asymptomatic, they should change their policy. Will they or won't they? That's the big question. We'll, We'll find out if they do that. Here's the only thing. I know we got to get the break and then we'll come back and we got uh, Grant Paulson joining us next hour. Does it matter if you change in the middle of a week? Do you think Goodell might make a decision and say, as of next week, that if you're going to do it, the NFL has its own little calendar. We know there are seven days, well, but they got Thursday night football. And this week, Saturday football, college football over and done with. We got two Saturday games. It's actually one of my favorite times of the year um, that they play the NFL on Saturday afternoons. 
but they do have a, a quasi-regimented mented calendar of a seven-day week. Do you think he'll take this stance on a, like, say, Tuesday immediately after Monday night football? It's I know it's only Thursday, but do you really think he'd do something? Because this is going to be big. You and I uh, kind of over-talked the uh, political ramifications of a decision like this in our first segment today. You think he'd do it in the middle of a week and just decide, yeah, we're going to change our rules here on a Thursday going into the weekend tonight? Yeah, well, well, I, I think they would. I, I, I do think, I hear this all the time and I kind of snicker. I mean, do people think the NFL is the Supreme Court? It's like precedent doesn't matter. Like the stupid taunting rule. Change it yesterday. Change it today. Change it tomorrow. Change it whenever the hell you want and say, hey, hey, you know what? That was stupid. Let's change it right now. That's where I think they are with this. Oh, you know what? That That's stupid. Let's change it. They should do it right now. They should do it immediately. Now, will they do it? And that's where the political talk comes back into it. They have to listen to all their, you know, all their strategists and how it's going to play in the public eye. And that's the concern. They know they have to change it. They know. They know they have to change it. The question is, when do they get the you-know-whats to change it? Uh, I would I would stay short of saying have to. They could. They might. You may even be able to go would be well-advised. I don't know that Roger Goodell's going to accept they have to change it just yet. Uh, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Bird 365 guys. Come back, talk more about the showdown between Washington and Philadelphia coming up on Sunday. And yes, Grant Paulson from 106.7 The Fan down in D.C. Uh, talks Redskins day in and day out on the airwaves of Washington. Uh, we'll uh, bring him up in hour number two here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Magamag guys, your Bird 365 men here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Hour number two coming your way. A Thursday prior to the divisional showdown between the Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, JM, I put this question to uh, our guest, uh, Mr. Thompson, back in hour number one. I need you to uh, weigh in on what you think is going to happen as well. That's part of what we do here on Bird 365 and what I do on uh, WIP and anywhere else that I happen to open up a microphone and what you do in your columns, wherever you write, we prognosticate the future. We think we've got a pretty good grasp on things and we try and get out in front of it and project and predict what happens before it happens. So I'm going to ask you to do that right here. Other than Devonta Smith and Jalen Rager, and I roll my eyes and I hold my breath, uh, give me the breakdowns of targets by wide receivers for the Philadelphia Eagles in Sunday's game against Washington. The targets of Eagles receivers other than Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Uh, no, not Dallas Goddard, uh, Rager, which oh, if Rager. you want to give me Rager too, I, I, if if you go more than two, I'm not going to be happy. But if you yeah. want to, uh, you want to say just well, Devonta. you know, I think it changes with the quarterback. So I'm going to go. You know, I think you saw that in the Jets game. You you saw where, you know, the Eagles' offense from a passing perspective had been Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard, and that's it basically uh, for about a month period. Um, Gardner was able to get a few more people involved. I think Wes Watkins had three targets. Um, Kenny Gainwell had five. He was back involved. Uh, Miles Sanders got involved from the backfield as well. Um, so it depends who's playing quarterback. Uh, I think Gardner Minshew is going to play. Um, just kind of the feeling I get, and that's pure speculation. Um, if that's the case, I think you're going to see three for Jalen Rager at least. I think you're going to see three for probably 
Yeah, I'm debating who's going to be involved. Is yeah, you got to you got to make the decision. Um, is it going to be and who's going to be the quarterback? I'm 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 going to say John Hightower gets more involved Ooh. than Greg Ward or JJ Ortega Whiteside. Um, now he's the guy the Eagles protected this week from the practice squad. So this is a very layered. This is very difficult for a number of reasons, Joe. Yes, it's very layered. You have to pick, okay, who is the receiver from the practice squad that is going to be elevated, number one? Then who of the bottom-tier receivers on the actual roster is going to get the playing time? Um, So you have a couple – and I think John Hightower is going to sort of leapfrog everybody. He's going to leapfrog the practice squad guys, going to leapfrog the guys on the back end, and except for Jalen Rager. Uh, which will upset people. Um, so I think he's going to get the most targets. Um, and probably, you know, not a lot. You're probably talking two or three. Right. If if he gets three, that could make him the numero uno guy. Because yeah. it, we're not talking about that many. And, oh, by the way, as I said with Pete, my, one of my prognostication is uh, ground and pound personified. I think the Eagles are going to run the football uh, extensively. Oh, yeah. I no think they'll, they'll get a lead and be able to run the football a lot. Uh, so and especially not... if Jordan Howard's back and he was limited, estimated. Uh, so he's getting closer. So if you have him back in the mix, you have Miles in the mix, you have Boston Scott who's not sick this week, um, and Kenny Gainwell to to go from in that perspective. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna run the football. I think they're going to run it a lot. I right, do us a favor since, uh, and I kind of like your prediction of Hightower. I kind of agree with. It. I'm not happy with it because you know I'm a Greg Ward fan, and I'm still ticked off that the guy has basically been marginalized to this on this roster. Um, when you guys have your scant few minutes to observe practices during the week, um, do practice squad players ever get to show anything? How would the Eagles evaluate that John Hightower is better than anyone else on the practice squad or better than the currently on the roster but not getting the ball to come their way, Greg Wards and J.J. Arcega-Whitesides? Um, how, how is there anything that they can use as a basis to do it other than here's what we think? Um, well, the practices themselves, you do have some developmental periods. I mean, the practice squad players practice just like the regular players. I mean, they go through the same drills. Uh, generally, when you get to teamwork, they'll be more on the scout team uh, than anything else. And you can open eyes that way. Um, and, and, you know, I don't have as much clarity on how um, – uh, Nick Sirianni runs his uh, ship, so to speak, because he's a little bit more um, tight-lipped about it than Doug Peterson was. Um, Doug had developmental. Deuce Staley was in charge of the developmental program um, on the previous coaching staff, and they would have periods where they would work with the practice squad guys and the younger players um, and, and get them up to speed. I assume Nick has something similar I don't know who runs it. Nick tries to um, be a little bit more, um, I don't want to say clandestine, but he doesn't, he, he wants, if something goes wrong, he wants you to blame him. He doesn't want to single out 
specific assistant coaches and what they're responsible for. Uh, and that's the way he handles it. And that's fine. But they're, yeah, they're certainly working with the players and trying to develop them with the time they have. And that's the bigger problem, but they're under the same constraints as everybody else. So it is difficult to get noticed, but um, you get a feel for guys, certainly over 13, 14 weeks, you, you, you know, pretty much who's what and who can do this and who can't do that. Well, we'll see if uh, your guess is right. And I would kind of co-sign your guess because I think John Hightower has got a chance to be uh, in, uh, not in the spotlight, but a contributor to the game coming up against Washington this week. I did want to ask you about something else you uh, were able to be part of yesterday. And that's Jason Kelsey. Um, he is a beloved figure in this town, as well he should be. First for the level of his play, he is a borderline Hall of Fame center, just makes Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl. He will be forever uh, adored in this town because of his outfit on the day of the Eagles Super Bowl parade. And oh, by the way, he's about as tough as they come and as class a guy as they come. And all those things are serving him well today because he just broke down and cried yesterday. Yeah, he's turning into Dick Vermeil lately. He really is. And as beloved as Dick Vermeil is, he's taken some hard times and some shots in his town because he's ready, willing, and able to cry at the drop of his hat. Uh, I got to town just after Mike Schmidt and his tearful uh, retirement speech was lambasted by some. This was, I believe, before uh, A League of Their Own ever came out and the phrase, there's no, no crying, crying in baseball, baseball. Yeah, was uh, ever uh, put forth. Uh, if you're a sports guy, you're not allowed to cry. It's Jimmy Dugan, by the way. Tom yeah. Hanks is Jimmy Dugan. Uh, outstanding. One of my favorite movies ever. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was kind of, and he was crying over a teammate. When he in describing Lane Johnson and everything that Lane Johnson has had to deal with this year, uh, some people it bothers greatly, others just uh, analyze it for what it's worth. Some people actually get the all up, uh, misty eyed themselves when someone else starts to cry. Uh, I need the John McMullen reaction as you're sitting there watching the YouTube. I didn't see it till this morning. I tried, I tried to, uh, I tried to throw Jason a life raft. He was trying to get through it. Um, look, I have tremendous respect for you. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't. I, in fact, I think I mentioned it on the show. You know, this has become a regular occurrence um, where now it never got to that point. But a lot of times, you know, Jason is very thoughtful with his comments. And a lot of times he starts to well up. Um and I joke, you know, I joke about Dick Vermeil, but um, I think it's in I the story I was telling, you know, someone had asked him, this was a couple of weeks ago, you know, how do you define a tough guy? And he was searching. He was like, I don't know. And he brought up a Bronx tale. If you remember that press conference, it was the Bronx tale press conference. And he was telling the story in that movie. Um and I said, it's pretty simple what a tough guy is. It's a guy who can go up there and cry, and everybody still knows he can kick your ass. And that's Jason Kelsey. 
So, I mean, yeah, if somebody who isn't tough goes up there and cries, it's a different perspective. This is a guy, you know, earlier in the same press conference, you know, we said, how are you doing? Oh, it was an ankle, you know. Oh, my knee, my foot. So it's an ankle, it's a knee, it's a foot. And he's just playing through it, and he's playing through it, and he's playing through it. Um, so from that perspective, look, I think Jason Kelsey is the most uh, uh, thoughtful um, interview subject I've ever dealt with in my entire career. So I applaud him for that. And he, he answers questions that way. And sometimes it comes up where he gets emotional about certain things. And that's what I was trying to get because I've, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get the feeling that this is Jason's last year. And that's why all this stuff is becoming overwhelming to him because he knows it's getting close to the end. Um, again, just speculation. He's, he's admitted everything's year to year. Um, things are getting tougher and tougher for him physically. He keeps getting injured. It's really difficult. He has said numerous times, one of the old, he's joked about it. The only reason he's playing now is because of the cafeteria. That part of it was a joke and the camaraderie. That part of it's not a joke. And, you know, this is way too much of a pandemic themed show, but if things start to scale back again and players can't be around each other, he doesn't want to be involved in that. Uh, so if we keep going in, in a negative direction from that standpoint, um, that will affect him. I'm starting to think this is it for Jason Kelsey. I really am. Here's my take on Jason Kelsey in retirement. Been there, done that, been wrong, not going to do it again. Uh, it's been like five straight years where you had to contemplate Ooh, could the Eagles have to replace Jason Kelsey? Well, that's because he's very honest about Jody. It, well, it he's is honest, but he's not. He's still keep well, coming back. Well, no, he's not said. He's never said he's retiring. He said it's year to year. I'm saying he's been very honest about saying, you know, he takes time. And that's sort of the natural, right? Like, if you got him the day after the season, he's probably going to say, yeah, I don't know if I want to go through this again. And then you recharge your batteries, and a couple months later, you miss your your friends, and you miss Lane Johnson, and you, and you miss all the guys you have fun hanging out with, and you say, yeah, I want to go back and do that. Um, and that's part of the human nature of the cycle. Um, but, you know, uh, his, his, you know, his family is starting to lean in that direction as well. Um, just speculation, but he's 34 okay. years old. He's taking a beating. It's it's tough for, for him to get through the weeks. Um, it's got to end sometime. Didn't Mr. Whitworth play this past week at age 40 on the offensive line for the deleted? Uh, now I got to call him. I wanted to call him several different things, St. Louis. The Los Angeles Rams. Hey, Jason Peters is still playing. Some people, uh, you know, some people want to play. Some people don't want to play. Everybody's different. I'm not saying he can't play. He certainly can play. Um, I don't know if he wants to go through it. That's the, it, it's a grind. 
uh, professional football. It's a grind for me, never mind the players. It is a physical grind on them. And that's someday I hear what you're saying, but one day we're going to wake right. up on Birds 365 and he, he's going to, he's going to go down that road. We're getting closer to that point. I believe father time is still undefeated. I know Tom Brady keeps being the best player in football at age 44 and he is so much the exception to the rule. Father time's going to get him too. Just getting him later than anybody else. And Father Time will get Jason Kelsey. I get it. I'm not speculating. I'm tired because four, four, five years in a row now, Jason, year to year, will make up a really simple. Jason, you're the starting center until the day you say you're retired. And uh, until then, you're the center. You're the man. You can cry all you want until you look me in the eye and say, I'm retired. And even at that, because guys come back from retirement, you can't put the final stamp on him. But I'm not even going to think about it until Jason Kelsey steps up and says, I'm done. I retired. I can do it out the cafeteria. My wife has improved her cooking. We'll be perfectly <laughs> fine. Thank you very much. Uh, good night and get home safely. Until he does that, I'm not going to think along those lines. And it's a good thing to know he is physically ready to go and be ready to play this week. Uh, I don't know if he's physically ready to go, but he's physically ready to play. He's physically ready for Jason Kelsey standards, yes. which are different than everybody else on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he plays through absolutely everything, and that's the reason why he is as good as he is and he's beloved as he is in this town. And he's the guy who's going to snap the ball back to which quarterback again? Johnny Mac, who's going to be getting it on Sunday? Mm, I mean, if you force me to pick one, I'm leaning Gardner today. We'll see. You know, it's still early, but, uh, you know. I it if they came back and you know Jalen Hurts and there was no oh we're splitting reps I I would say it's clearly Jalen Hurts I don't think it has anything to do with the opponent I don't think it has anything to do with the offense just, he's got a high ankle sprain and it's a two to four week injury and we're at three weeks so it's uncertain. But I would lean towards Gardner. If you're forcing me to bet an ocean casino, I would lean towards Gardner right now. And that is, and I don't want to knock Gardner Minshew because he did a real nice job against maybe the worst defensive secondary in the entire National Football League, the New York Jets. Um, Except for Elijah Riley. I'm joking. How how sad is that, that he was their best secondary player? He's been there about 10 minutes, and he absolutely was their best secondary player. Um, yeah, a little bit better, but the undermanned Washington football team is what Gardner Minshew and or uh, Jalen Hurts is going to have to go against on Sunday. We'll get some more insight on where the Washington football team is uh, how many guys who are on the COVID list are actually already vaccinated and could be ready to go by Sunday, but we'll do so with no practice leading up to the game. We'll talk about all things uh, Washington football team with our next guest. We're scheduled to be joined by Grant Paulson, who is the afternoon drive host on 106.7 The Fan down in D.C. GP joins us next here on Birds 365.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Thanks for hopping aboard, Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You got the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. We know the Eagles have the big showdown with the Washington football team coming up on Sunday here to give us a D.C. perspective. He gets it every single day on 106.7, the fan down in D.C. Usually I talk baseball with him when I get the chance because he's also on Sirius XM's MLB Network Radio, but he does skins all week long. Oh, wait, I can't say that. Again, I apologize. Uh, Jody McDonald and uh, John McMullen talking to Grant Paulson of 106.7, the fan down in D.C. How you been, GP? I'm good, Jody Mac. John, how are you guys? Doing well. Thanks for joining the program, Grant. I guess we got to start with the obvious uh, situation going down inside the Beltway. 18, I believe, is the number currently on the COVID-19 list for the Washington football team. What the heck can Ron Rivera do? I mean, what, what, what can you do in this? Is it just the hope that the NFL changes as there's late sort of stage negotiations to change the policy to maybe one negative test for vaccinated players. Is that pretty much all you can do at this stage? Yeah. So there's a couple things they're hoping for. I mean, the first is a bit of a Hail Mary, I think, which is 
Last year, they pushed a few games back a day or two to try to help some teams get some players out of the protocol. They were very flexible in 2020. They've been pretty rigid about doing that in 2021. The league has made it pretty clear they want nothing to do with moving games. That's not to say they would cancel it or postpone it. There's a lot of money on the line with the TV networks, and obviously these games are critical for the playoffs. But it would be played perhaps on Monday or Tuesday. I think there was some hope in the building that that could happen if they can't get some of these players off of this COVID list. You're right. The number's 18. The problem with that is, is that it's just not going to happen based on what they're hearing from the league. So then you go to plan B for them, which is, as you said, and it's not just Washington, right? It's the Rams. It's yeah. the Browns. And most teams are affected in some way by one or two players who are dealing with COVID. But the Players Association, the union, and the league are talking right now as we speak and have been since yesterday with Alan Sills and all of his medical staffers and the medical team that's involved in these decisions about changing and tweaking some of the rules that would allow for vaccinated asymptomatic players to get out of the protocol easier and quicker than they are. I saw a number this week, fellas, where it was something like only 20% of the players who are vaccinated and asymptomatic were getting out of the protocol within, you know, the five or six days so if you test early in the week that you could play on Sunday. And yeah. I think originally the whole point was they were making it really tough on unvaccinated guys so that they got vaccinated, obviously. But what has happened is while we thought, well, if you're vaccinated and you're asymptomatic, you'll get out of the protocol pretty quickly. You'll test negative a couple of times. It just hasn't happened like they thought. So maybe you'll end up only needing one negative test to get out of the protocol, something like that. Right. And but you think it's more likely that it'll be at least one test right now. It's two tests, 24 hours in between and you can be reinstated. You think they'll do it in steps, cut back the one test before they say, hey, if you're asymptomatic, uh, we'll let you play immediately. You don't even go into the protocols. I suppose that they could make that leap. I mean, that'd be a pretty big leap for them just based on how um, <clears throat> conservative perhaps that they've been along the way for obvious and, and probably good reason. Uh, but that's possible. But I think it would just go from two tests to one. And maybe one of the things I heard from, uh, you know, someone who's tied to some players in the league was that perhaps they could do something where they test players less frequently who are vaccinated. I mean, these guys are still tested all the time. Um, perhaps unless you have symptoms, you know, if you're vaccinated, how often you get tested could lessen. And so there's a couple of balls in the air that they're spinning here. The, the big question, I, I do believe they're going to come to this uh, change in this conclusion that that we're all thinking is possible at some point in the come maybe it's today maybe it's tomorrow whatever do they affect games this weekend though I mean that's the question right can they get this done in a matter of time where Washington the Rams who are destroyed the Browns who have 18 players and the coach on the COVID yeah. list including their quarterback Baker Mayfield like, are those teams going to benefit from these changes on Sunday I mean in the Browns case they play Saturday so that I'm starting to wonder about because it's now Friday. It's, uh, it's now Thursday, and you know tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're a day away from your game on Friday. And Grant, obviously, it's the time of year where these games are very important for teams. And obviously, you look at the Eagles and Washington football team at both at six and seven. Technically, Washington would be that last seed today, but this game will have a large bearing. If you look at some of these predictive sites, 538, New York Times, the winner of this game kind of spikes to 50-plus percent. The loser down to 10, 11, 12 percent. 
what do you think from the league's perspective when they look at competitive advantage, competitive disadvantage in a situation like that? Is it just tough luck? Do they enter that into the equation? It seems like they're they're so far, and they are to their credit, they're talking with the PA as, as we're saying. But yeah, they they kind of view it as sorry about it. You know, teams are without guys who tear their ACL or rupture an Achilles or have some type of shoulder problem, and it's next man up, and you just got to figure it out. Now, it's one thing if you have one or two or three or four players on COVID, but when you can't field a position group. I mean, just so Eagles fans know, like Washington's defensive line, which has been the strength of the team for a while, and you guys saw it in week one last year when they had seven sacks and took over the game to beat the Eagles. This, this, this They're all gone. I mean, there's nobody <laughs> left. Quite literally, they have four defensive ends and three defensive tackles in the COVID protocol that may not be able to play. You know, in a position group where you have eight guys at most, they've got seven on this list. Uh, now, I do think that in general, the league cares about if they can trace things, how this started, were teams following the rules, were players vaccinated, you know, did you do all you can do? That's pretty clear dating back to last year. If you remember, they forced the Broncos to play a game without any quarterbacks. And everyone always references that as, well, they don't care. Well, that's not quite true. I had Peter King on my show this week, and he kind of drew a line in the sand where he said, the league investigated that, and they found – that the Broncos quarterback room kind of nefariously tried to skirt the rules where they weren't wearing their monitors. They were taking them off. They weren't doing what they were supposed to do and they tried to cover it up. And so when they found that out, according to Peter King, they basically said, well, you guys can kick rocks, play the game without a quarterback. When there have been other cases, you go back to like the Ravens had a game last year where they had an outbreak. They moved the game from Sunday to early in the week and then moved it again all the way to Wednesday. And the Steelers felt like they were getting screwed because they had to keep sitting around and waiting. But the, I think what the league found was, well, this team did everything that we told them to do, and they're just in a bad spot. Washington only had, to my knowledge, I believe it was six unvaccinated players in their whole building. Now, most of those guys, the majority of them, I should say, were either on the list or are still on the list in this outbreak. But having said that, the vast majority of these 18 players did what the league wanted. They got vaccinated. And while I guess we're not around them all the time, so I can't tell you, as gospel that they've done everything they were supposed to do with distancing and masks and all this stuff. The league has not punished anybody. The league has not said that they didn't do anything. There's no pictures of them partying. So I don't know how they can just assume that they were up to no good. So if they got vaccinated, the league wanted you to, and they followed your rules. It's hard for me to imagine that the league's just going to sit back and go, sorry guys, your season's on the line on Sunday and there's nothing we can do to help you. But again, it's not just Washington. It's the Rams dealing with this. They're playing a massive game, a game back in the West. And the Browns have a chance to win their division and don't have a quarterback or a coach in the league right now has said you're (laughs) playing on Saturday. So it's unbelievable. It really is. If we were playing this game on the schoolyard on Saturday and you got to finish up the game. So if the other team has issues, you lend them one of yours. We give you Ryan Kerrigan back if you wanted him because you have done all, <laughs> have a lot for the Eagles. But that, unfortunately, is not going to be what happens. Um, but the red on top of everything else, Washington has injury issues. I'm not even talking COVID. Yes, I understand their quarterback took full participation yesterday in practice. But you're going to tell us exactly how close to 100% Taylor Heineke is. They've got a couple of key players with concussion issues in the last... It'd be one thing if they just had all these COVID issues. They've got injury issues on top of it, Grant. 
give us the update on uh, McLaurin and Heineke going into the game. Yeah, take COVID out of the equation for a second. They're pillaged by injuries. I mean, they really are. Like, to the point where last week they got beat by Dallas 27-20. And just so people that didn't see the game know, it was not that close. They were down 24 to nothing at the half. They were down 18 to nothing after one quarter. And to their credit, they play hard under Ron Rivera. They scratched and clawed. They had a pick six defensively. Dak played a pretty bad game. And they ended up having the ball down 27-20 with a couple minutes to go. So it seems like it was close. But when you look back at the game, they got worked. It, you know, it wasn't close. But I think a lot of it was they just didn't have enough horses. And that was before the COVID outbreak. So to quickly run through it, you mentioned quarterback Taylor Heineke. He will play. They have to have him play at this point because their backup, who finished the game when Heineke got hurt last week, Kyle Allen, is in the COVID protocol. So he's not available <laughs> for Sunday as of right now anyway. So, Heineke, uh, if you don't mind me interrupting, if that's the case and, and – uh... Allen isn't good to go. Who's the backup right now to Heineke? So they would pull Kyle Shermer off the practice squad, who nobody in D.C. could recognize if you paid them to pick him out of a lineup. Uh, Pat Shermer's uh, kid. Yeah, yeah, Pat Pat Shermer's Shermer's son. Exactly. Uh, So he's on their practice squad. Uh, They they just signed Jordan Ta'amu, who was an XFL quarterback with the St. Louis Battlehawks. St. Louis Battlehawks star. That's right. He started over Heineke in the XFL, actually. They just signed him uh, yesterday, I believe, to their practice squad. So that's the quarterback room at this point. Uh, maybe they'll quarantine one of those guys to make sure that at least someone with a heartbeat uh, is eligible and available. Come Sunday, I'm not really sure what the plan there is. But Heineke got hurt two different times in the game. He hurt his elbow and he hurt his knee. So when he hurt his knee, he, or excuse me, his elbow, he kind of stayed in the game and came back in the game. He hurt his knee at the end. He didn't come back in. But he says right now the elbow is the bigger issue. Although he says there's no pain when he threw it practice. So figure that out. Um, so Heineke's going to play. They're hoping to get J.D. McKissick back, who's important to them. He's their check down, safety valve, pass catching, running back. He's like top two among running back catches yeah. since the beginning of last year. He had 80 catches in 2020. Uh, Terry McLaurin's the best player on their offense. He went up high for an underthrown pass last week, got undercut, landed on his head, has a concussion. He's in the concussion protocol. No word if he's going to play or not. He was not able to go full in practice yesterday. Uh, their wide receiver, too, is Curtis Samuel, who's played like four games all year and has done nothing. Uh, he's had this groin injury that has lasted for months and months and months. And now he's got a hamstring injury, so he was back on the side field yesterday. So if he does play, he'll play a tiny role, and, and we're not sure if he'll play at all. They have a wide receiver stepped up last week named Cam Sims who caught a 43-yard touchdown. Uh, he is also in the COVID protocol, probably – not going to be available as of right now. Uh, they have their best tight end, Logan Thomas, is out for the year with a torn ACL. So they've got a tight end who's come on, and John Bates, who is, as of right now, their only tight end left standing because they have put two tight ends in the, the uh, COVID protocol. Their starting right tackle, Cornelius Lucas, is one of the 18 guys in the COVID protocol. Uh, they're without their starting center, Chase Rulier. They're actually down to their fourth center now. Um, not just because of injuries, ones in the COVID protocol, but – uh, they they lost their third center to a torn Achilles last week against the Cowboys. Um, well, uh, yeah, so go ahead. Other other than that, yeah, how <laughs> to play, Mrs. Uh, Lincoln? Which exactly. is funny because we we got a chance to have our ten minute talk with Ron Rivera uh, yesterday, and that was my first question to him was, how how do you prepare? Forget about the COVID stuff. How do you how do you practice? How do you how do you do anything in these circumstances? 
what what's been going on from that perspective? Yeah, that's what I don't get is how how are they even practicing? You know, I remember Jody, you'll remember this. The alternate sites for baseball before the uh, season when they were doing the COVID year, like there were teams because of just how the rosters were constructed, where if a guy got called up or someone got COVID, they didn't have like a full nine to field all the positions. It was like a Sandlot bit. So they would quite literally have like a trainer stand in left field and play left for these like major league level simulated games. I have to imagine it looks something like that right now where they've just got like random people standing at positions or you know, maybe are going through the motions in practice without players at every spot. Because, you know, we went through the, you know, in a funny way, like the long winded injury report a second ago. You know, we didn't get to the defense, which is the one that's hurt by COVID. Like those were the injuries. They don't have a defensive line. They've got multiple linebackers on COVID. They've got two corners on COVID, including their best corner, and uh, and a safety. So I, I don't really know, to answer your question, John, yesterday they had a practice. They didn't do anything indoors. All their meetings are Zoom and virtual. But they feel good about being able to go outside, outdoors, put a mask on, and go through this workout. But I have no idea what they were able to accomplish. I, how could you? I was only half kidding when I said, well, we'll lend you Ryan Kerrigan if you need him back for practice purposes, because, yeah, Ron Rivera is dealing with uh, unprecedented shortcomings getting ready for this game this week. All right, the Eagles were on the bye last week. Um, so as soon as the game is over against the Jets, you start to think about the next Eagle game, which we knew was almost two weeks down the road, but it's going to be against Washington. And I'm trying to figure out what does Washington bring to the table, give the Eagles uh, some troubles. And the first thing that jumped to mind was Antonio Gibson because he's had a nice season. Um, I think he's one of the more underrated backs in the National Football League. Didn't do much last week against Dallas. Eagles didn't have a game to analyze. We do have a, a Washington game, and the Cowboys, A, shut him down, B, had a big lead, so it kind of took the running game away from Washington a little bit. Um, they're going to start 0-0 on Sunday with all the injuries to the wide receivers that they, uh, the Washington football team has right now. Is it going to be Antonio Gibson left, Antonio Gibson right, and Antonio Gibson up the middle? So in their four-game winning streak, basically that was the formula, right? Was They were giving him 20-plus carries, and they were dominating time of possession. If you go back and look at that winning streak, I mean, there were a couple games where they flirted with 40 minutes to 20 minutes against their opponent. Um, they are not skilled enough on offense. You know, they're undermanned, as we've talked about, but they lack big play potential in a chunk yardage league, right? They don't have the ability to go score a touchdown on a two-play 82-yard drive or something. It's just not in the – they don't have that club in the bag. So what they have to do is they have to go on these 12- and 13-play drives where they stay ahead of the sticks. It's a tough way to live. And it's a hard margin. I mean, I'm sure the Eagles in some way can relate to this a little bit yeah. as a running team. But you guys know this. Like, it takes a holding penalty, and you're screwed. It takes a sack, and now it's second and obvious passing, and you're in a bad spot. For that month, everything came up them. You know, they would get three on first down. They would get two on second down. It's third and five. Heineke would scramble for six, or he'd throw a ball to Adam Humphreys to make a sliding catch for eight. And they would go on these like long drives and they would keep the football. And quite literally, like at the end of the game, they'd have 37 minutes TOP and it worked. Uh, it's, it's just not an easy thing to replicate. It's not really sustainable. But 
I guess to answer your question, Jody, that is what they have to do. It, it doesn't have to just be Gibson. They've got Jarrett Patterson. They've got a guy named Jonathan Williams. They called <clears throat> off their practice squad last week who scored a touchdown. You know, they could try to diversify the backfield and give all those guys touches if they wanted to. But I think particularly with the banged up Heineke, if you don't have McLaurin down a couple tight ends, like it's going to have to be a successful rushing attack. And they don't really have any other options. I mean, if, if they're not able to run the ball, and I, I'm, I'm not a big run the ball, you know, 50 times. I, I think the way to, to score points in this league is to throw it. Uh, they scored 17 points in back-to-back wins as a run-first team against uh, the Seahawks and the Raiders. Like, they were winning because of their defense, really. But the formula yeah. is keep that defense fresh and run it, and that's their one shot at this thing, I'd say. Grant, so we've, we've gone down the COVID issues. We've gone down the injury issues. This organization also has Daniel Snyder issues, and it always seems to pop up, and that came up with the Washington Post again, and Will Hobson and Liz Clark with another sort of investigative report about Daniel trying to meddle in the investigation into the Washington football team. Curious as to how that – did that get buried because of all the COVID issues? Does Ron have to deal with that kind of stuff? Does does that kind of enter in – to the thought process with the reporters that cover the team on a daily basis, or is it just white noise at this point because Daniel Snyder's Daniel Snyder? It's kind of the last one, honestly. I mean, so fans care a little bit. I'd say in the media, we care more, it seems like, you know, but fan, there are certainly fans that are obsessed with anything Snyder related that they think could be in some way damaging to him or could get him out of Washington because kind of universally, Everybody thinks that he's done a bad job and, and he's not a particularly good person. And he doesn't have a lot of fans here. Uh, but Rivera is really good at distancing himself from this and kind of just playing the I'm a football coach card. Now, he's also the president of the operation in some, you know, without the title. He's a de facto general manager. That said, he deals with the football and he kind of dismisses everything else um, as he should. I mean, this is not his cross to bear. A lot of this happened before he got yeah. here. He shouldn't have to answer for Dan Snyder. Um, and Dan Snyder never talks. He's never seen, never heard from. So, that, you know, that helps Rivera, I think, in some way, in the sense that, like, that you don't have to ask him, and Dan's not out there talking to kind of create more content. But specific to the report, while it wasn't surprising at all, yeah, the, the Washington Post kind of has details that we've all assumed were happening and was the case, which is to say that uh, Snyder was meddling, was trying to interfere, was trying – not himself like knocking on doors, but he had people going and talking to folks with information allegedly to say, Hey, don't help in this investigation or whatever. Um, but there were some amazing nuggets that came out of that story. Oh, the text message. Was oh, my unbelievable. Yeah, the, the text message thing. Like if, have you oh. ever heard anything so petty? So the Bruce Allen was the president of the Washington football team for a decade. And he did a horrendous job. Uh, he was uh, Dan Snyder's best buddy for many, many years, drinking buddy and, and right-hand man. And they have had just a nasty breakup. I mean, an absolute, like, you know, we're fighting over who gets custody and the dog. I mean, they, they, they are in such a bad way right now with their relationship. But the, the amazing thing in this story was that when Ron Rivera was hired, Bruce Allen apparently texted Ron Rivera. You know, everyone in the league knows each other. Yeah. And congratulated him and said, hey, Ron, just wanted to say congrats on the head coaching gig. Well, Dan Snyder found that out, but Dan never got a text from Bruce, <laughs> who he had just fired, to say congratulations on hiring Ron Rivera. And that really upset Dan. 
And so Dan asked someone to get Bruce to text him a congratulations, and Bruce didn't do it. So weeks later, I guess, when they're in this fight over how much money they're going to give Bruce during the pandemic or if they have to give him the whole contract, one of the things they agreed upon was that Dan's people said they would pay Bruce all of his money, but he had to text Dan congratulations <laughs> hiring Ron Rivera. And the best part about this was this was seven months after Rivera wow. was hired. So seven months later, he's telling him this is the – you know, through his people and Bruce's people, the text I want you to send me is this. As if that would mean anything when you just get a text you wrote for yourself. By the way, Bruce apparently never sent the text, which is also funny. <laughs> and it's so funny because I was going there and, and it just organically, the conversation went there. Does anyone know where Bruce Allen is? Not only is he a big deal with his watching thing, we go all the way back to Gruden and the emails. And nobody's ever really gotten Bruce Allen on the record to talk about any of this. Did he sign a non-disclosure? Is he in Alaska hunting bears? Uh, where, where exactly is Mr. Allen these days? So I believe he's in California. He, that's where he lives. He has like an $8 million home, if I remember correctly, so that he had in, like, in California somewhere. Um, he's got kids. He's got a wife. So presumably he's laying low and doing the family thing. Um to answer your question, I, I'm sure. Look, I know people have reached out and tried to get him to talk. I don't know about the NDA. I would say that a lot of people that leave that building sign some type of document that says they're not going to throw stones publicly. Yep. But him and Dan Snyder are also in a in a legal fight, right? I mean, his names come up in these lawsuits, and Dan has uh, alleged that some of the former owners or former employees, and I think Bruce could be involved, has has been involved in leaking sometimes fake information about him. I mean, they're in this like massive fight. So even if he wanted to talk, I'm not sure legally right now what he can and can't say. Uh, but yeah, I, I think geographically speaking, I believe he is in California. Gotcha. Well, Grant, we've gotten, I'm trying to get something positive for the Washington football <laughs> team. And maybe it's apropos that you guys are inside the beltway and politics and everything in Washington, DC these days seems to be a mess from that perspective. But the one shining light to me with the Washington football team is Ron Rivera. Um, just a great guy. What, what, what has he meant for that organization, especially getting through what's been a difficult uh, era uh, the this, this sort of past few years with Daniel Snyder and the investigation and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it's been a great benefit to have him obviously as like the captain of the ship during all of this, uh, because he is an asset to the organization. He's a good human being, but I think even more importantly, he's got this sterling reputation and everyone around the league loves him. And that's not to say it's not deserved, but I mean, nationally, yeah. like his name comes up and there are positive feelings and people like him. And so it's for them, it, it's awesome because they haven't had that in so long. Right. You know, not to knock Jay Gruden, who I really, really liked, but people either didn't know much about him. Or no, no one like when Jay Gruden's name came up, you don't have a national TV person just singing the praises of, of what a great person he is because they don't have the relationship with him. Rivera's got relationships, it seems like, with every single person in the NFL. Uh, and so I think that's just been huge for them. Last year, as an example, you know, when some things were coming off the rails and weren't going well, you had the Alex Smith story where he's coming back and he's kind of like a hero in the NFL. 
and you had uh, Ron Rivera, and it was like suddenly they'd become one of the most likable teams in the league, which we haven't experienced here in a long time. So just having him around in that regard because people are going to say some nice things or, you know, they're not going to take the same pot shots or make fun of you like they, they might because uh, they like Rivera. Like that's been a benefit. And then specifically in the building, I think he is a leader of men. I think he's, um, you know, he was a player, obviously, 85 Bears, was a good linebacker in the league. So, guys, he takes care of his players. They respect that. They like that. I think they play really, really hard for him, and they like him. Uh, He's done a good job this year. I I really believe that as a head coach. You know, we're going to have to separate, as we analyze Ron, the GM and the head coach, because he's never really been a GM, and I've got major – questions about some of the things they've done with personnel um and maybe that's an area where you critique him a little bit harder but as a coach i think this year he's been fantastic and as just a leader of men in the building in a, a time of turmoil uh he's a, a really good fit because that you know they needed someone to steady this thing and he's been able to grant last question and i enjoy asking this question to guys when we have beat guys on who cover the team day in and day out I want to give them a chance to chime in about what they think is going to happen coming up. It's a very open-ended question. Feel free to answer it as honestly or as biasedly as you see fit, (laughs) but just give us the background to it. The Washington football team will beat the Philadelphia Eagles Sunday because fill in the blank. Either give us the straight scoop or say, yeah, hold on. Let me put my Washington football team blinkers on. Uh, They get most of the players in the COVID protocol back because the league changes a rule and uh, they use it as some type of like rallying cry where it's motivational, where, all right, we were left for dead. They probably spent the week thinking they were going to roll us. Let's go out and uh, make them pay for that kind of thing. Uh, I, I think for the record guys, that's unrealistic. I think they might get a few guys back, you know, maybe even one of their, like John Allen's their best player on defense. He's going to a pro bowl. He's had a fringe all pro caliber season in the middle, kind of like a Fletcher Cox type impact. Yep. Here's the problem. He's in the protocol. Now maybe they get him back and one or two other guys, but I still think they're going to be without double digit players. And that's just that plus the injuries will be in insur- you know, too much to overcome like an insurmountable deficit. Um, but I would say to, to this, the, the direct answer is if, if you're telling me they win, the script will have been, they got a lot of guys back. They ran the ball well, and and they somehow managed like a a seventeen fourteen slog fest. Where I don't know what the weather looks like, but maybe that maybe there's rain that no one's forecasting that comes, and and both teams fumble thirteen times. <laughs> we we tapped into his Washington football team expertise. You can do so every day on one hundred six seven The Fan down in DC. Weekend you can catch him on Sirius XM uh, MLB Network talking baseball. I just like talking to the dude because he knows what the hell he's talking about. Uh, GP, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for coming on, buddy. We'll talk to you again down the road. You're the best, Jody Mac. John, good talking with you, brother. Be well. Great job, guys. Thanks, there Frank. Is Appreciate Jim it. Walton from 1067, the fan. Honest guy. Shot the, he said, yeah, if all the guys, a good percentage of the guys come back off the 18 uh, list as of right now. And I asked John about that earlier. And he said, Joe, I can only go by the numbers I'm going by right now. None of us know how many are going to be able yeah. to get off the protocol list. None of us know if Roger Goodell's not going to have a an announcement in the next 20 minutes. Listen, we're redoing our COVID protocol. None of yeah. us know that. Could happen.
Probably not, and that's why. And Grant mentioned uh, twenty, and he's right about twenty percent. If you go through the season, guys, vaccinated guys, forget unvaccinated guys, they're out for ten days. Twenty percent in a week get back for the particular game. So one in five, do the math. Not a lot of them are going to make it back, and that's what I was saying earlier in the show. It's going to be difficult for – they'll field the team. They'll get enough guys on the practice. If they got to sign guys off the street to put on the practice squad, they'll have eight for Sunday. They'll have 53 dressed. Will they be good enough to play and compete against the Eagles? That's a bit of a stretch. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, your Mac and Mac, Birds 365, guys. we got to put a bow on the show. Only a couple minutes left. Stay right here with us. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Last couple minutes of Birds 365 on a Thursday. 
leading into a Sunday. Washington versus Philadelphia. Key game. The numbers are what they are. They check the standings, and you can have tiebreakers as of right now, change tiebreakers after the weekend. You got to do this in a week-by-week thing. But right now, the Eagles are out of the playoffs. If they win this weekend, they will be in the playoffs by next week because they'll leapfrog Washington, who is in as of right now. So to say the level of importance of this game is pretty high would be a a woeful understatement. And we're kind of jonesing for some Eagles football because the bye week just took place as late as possible in the season. It kind of feels just wrong and funny to not have Eagle football in December, but that's exactly the way it shook out. And another plus, John, for the Eagles having a late bye, and we talked about how it was a grind to get there, but then they actually get to reap the benefits. One that we did not know was going to happen was, yeah, they had this COVID outbreak kind of across the uh, National Football League, even uh, the same against the country. It was a good thing that nobody was hanging around together because Man. they could have had the same kind of outbreak that the Washington football team had. We got we to gotta clip that Grant Paulson update of injuries and COVID list. I mean, it is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, Cleveland, similar. Uh, but when you add in the Washington football team injuries on top of it, inside straight, Jody, inside straight. Uh, you take what you can get in this league, and the Eagles have gotten a big Big, big break. John, are you suggesting that you're not afraid of Kyle Shermer, the Vanderbilt kid, coming off the bench for the Redskins on Sunday and laying waste to the Philadelphia Eagles? As Grant also pointed out, Jordan Te'amu. What? uh, Where? What what was that? Yeah, he he actually beat out Taylor Heineke for the St. Louis Battlehawks job. So, you know, maybe Jordan's better. Think of it that way. Uh, Taylor Heineke's actually won some games for the Washington football team. St. Louis Battlehawks. That doesn't uh, impress you, Jody? The, uh, n- name another Battlehawk. You named the two quarterbacks. I dare you to give me one Ooh. more. Ooh. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. I can't. I know I can't. Not even John Football McMullen can I. St. Louis Battlehawks. Stop. Um, but Taylor Heineke sounds like he's going to be able to go, but you know, you're one good shot away from being knocked out of a football team. And he did, uh, full participate in practice yesterday. And as, uh, Grant pointed out, they kind of need him because yes, if not him, it is uh, Kyle Schumer coming out to the rescue off the practice squad to be able to step in and play for them. And I, I had to give Taylor Heineke his uh, respect. Um, he had played well in their wins. Yeah, low-scoring wins, but well enough, made the plays when he needed to. Washington football team had ripped off four in a row before uh, going down to the Cowboys last week. He did not look good in that game to me. Um, I watched every play of that game because you didn't have the Eagles to watch. So what are you going to watch? You're going to watch Washington against Dallas. Um, they fell behind. If Taylor Heineke has got to rally you from down by more than two scores, I don't think you have much of a chance. So I would say that is should be one of the goals of this football team. Uh, when I say this team, I mean the Eagles on Sunday. Get a lead, run the ball, don't sweat Taylor Heineke uh, with an air raid trying to get Washington back into the contest. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, when they when Washington is healthy and ready to go, uh, they're very very similar to the Eagles in that they try to win 
And I talk about it all the time. And Grant just talked about it with Washington. Small margin of error. If you're going to run the football, if you're going to be run heavy, holding call, penalty, other type of penalty, ball start even, um, fumble, what have you. The, the margin of error is really, really small. So I think that's why when we looked at this two home-and-home home series over three weeks, these two teams were so evenly matched, it was going to be really interesting as if one of those two teams could uh, uh, sweep the season series. Eagles, Eagles always want to play with the lead because they're not equipped to come back. That's true. Um, and Washington plays the same way. So, and obviously they're hampered from all the other issues. Whoever gets the early lead in this game is going to be in really, really good shape. And, you know, um, everything is there for the Eagles. Gardner, Minshew, Jalen Hurts. I don't even think you have to worry about the quarterback, Jody. Doesn't matter at this point. Yeah, I can't get to it doesn't matter, but I can get to could be okay either way. Well, <laughs> that's probably a better way to describe it. Should be, should be okay. I'll should be okay either, either way. way. Yes, we'll yes. settle on that one. All right, uh, tomorrow here on Bird 365, Ed Kratz is going to have to explain why. Last week here on Bird 365, he suggested Brandon Brooks may be back this week. Against I warned you. I warned you. Not and, me, Warden. He did it. Wasn't me. I didn't say it. He did. Yeah. The best case scenario was going to be the twenty-one day practice window. We didn't even get that. We got Jack Anderson. They opened up his practice window. A little other help on the offensive line. Uh, no, uh, we'll see what happens with Brandon Burke. But I was surprised when Ed went there last week. Wouldn't be surprised if he's back again. No, he, uh, not, he jumped. Not, he jumped the gun. He jumped that. the gun a little bit. So we'll get on his case tomorrow. But we'll do so uh, easily because we love Mr. Kratz. He'll be on. Uh, we'll probably scrounge up another guest for you as well. Getting that much closer to Sunday's return of the Philadelphia Eagles. Partner, I'll see you in 22 hours. All right. I will be here, hopefully, non-COVID. I passed my test. Uh, I hope I don't have it either, but I'm not planning on taking the test. Asymptomatic, Jody. Don't take the test. There's only one way to find out if yours truly has COVID. Be right back here tomorrow in 22 hours on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.